Welcome to HO. How you guys doing this morning? Good. That is awesome. My name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't got a chance uh, to meet you, like Matthew said, love to do that afterwards. And I'm excited today because we're continuing on this series that we have been walking through this summer that we're calling the Hall of Faith. If you've been with us, you know that we have been in just one chapter all summer. That's our plan. That's what we're continuing to do all the way through August. But this chapter is a unique chapter of the Bible. It's Hebrews chapter 11. And if you're familiar with that, It's called the Hall of Faith because the author of Hebrews essentially goes back to the Old Testament and he references all these different heroes, these different men and women of the faith and he points to their faith to encourage each one of us that we can have the same type of faith that these heroes of the faith had. And so it's kind of this famous chapter where we're we're getting a almost in-depth look of the Old Testament. We've been in this series for eight weeks now and we've got through almost every major your character in the book of Genesis through Hebrews chapter 11. And so it's been fun to not only be in this chapter, but also get a little bit of an Old Testament survey and get to be brought up to speed on some of these Old Testament men and women who have really laid a foundation for our faith. And so, as I said, we've been mostly talking about people who are in the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. And now today we're making it out of Genesis and we're into the second book of the Bible and we're into Exodus. And so today, the author of Hebrews, he turns his attention to talking about Moses. Okay, and Moses is one of those figures, you know, that whether you grew up in church or not, you probably heard the name Moses. And whether you grew up in church or not, you probably at least have some context for who he was and what he did. We've made movies about Moses uh, during Easter time. Uh, we still run on, you know, major networks, the Ten Commandments. It's this, uh, you know, the seminal work in film industry, I guess, because it's shown every year and we get the picture of who Moses is. Or if you're a kid who maybe grew up in, in a family that that liked uh, watching movies that were based on the Bible. There's this movie called Prince of Egypt, and it's an animation film. I know a lot of people are really excited about it. And as you look at those films, they're about the life of Moses because he's such a foundational person in the faith. In fact, Moses, as we believe, wrote uh, the first five books of the Old Testament. So Moses is actually writing the book of Genesis that we've worked our way through, uh, through Hebrews chapter 11. And he actually writes most of the book of Exodus, which talks about his own life and his own story. He doesn't come out and tell us that, but we know through other sources that Moses was the author of that. And so Moses is the type of figure that when we think of faith, we think of Moses. And I'm excited to dive into his life today because his life is a little bit more complicated than just the movies make it seem. There is a lot to his story and there's a lot to his faith and a lot that I think that we're going to be able to learn together. And so here's the big idea as we are going to open up our Bibles together and read about Moses. Our big idea is this, and you can see it in your handouts or on the screen behind me. It's this, that faith is about obedience in spite of our fears or circumstances. Okay, faith is about obedience in spite of our fears or circumstances. Now, we talked about this throughout the series, but I think we have to recognize that almost every week that faith is a word in our culture that we use kind of blindly. We use the word faith to describe so many different things. Oftentimes, we use the word faith to describe like a gut feel, or we use it to describe an emotion. Sometimes people equate 
faith and superstition to kind of being the same thing. But as we look at the life of Moses, what we're going to see is real faith isn't just a feeling, isn't just an emotion. Real faith actually leads us to action. Real faith leads us to obedience in spite of how we're feeling and in spite of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. You know, I was thinking about that word obedience. It's kind of a, a hard word, you know. It's not a word that we all the time use, but if you're a parent, you probably use the word obedient or obey, you know, oftentimes. And I know for me, I have three kids. I've talked about them often here from the stage, and, and, and I love all three of my kids. They're amazing kids. And there's oftentimes where I, I just have to tell my kids, I just need you to obey. You know, I just need you to listen. You don't even have to like it. You don't even have to understand it, but you do need to obey because I know what's best for your life. There's just a couple of days ago, this is a silly example, but, but my kids, there's, there's two different types of kids. One type of kid is a, a kid that's okay with you putting sunscreen on them and another type of kid isn't. And if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so one of my sons, he just cannot stand to get sunscreen put on him. And we were outside. It was one of those extremely hot days. And I'm like, get over here. I have to put sunscreen on it. Why? You know, and he's all upset about it. It's like, it's not that hard. Just trust me, obey me because it's going to be good for you later on. And so I'm putting the sunscreen on him and he's just getting restless and he's not happy with me. It's taking too long. It burns my eyes, all these different things. And so I'm like, listen, do you think that I'm doing this because I don't like you? He's like, no, you know, do you think I'm doing this to punish you? Am I putting this sunscreen on you to punish you? No, trust me, just obey. It's going to be better for you in the long run if you listen to me now because you'll be able to be out in the sun and you won't be burnt. And so I finally convinced him that it was okay for him just to stand there and be still and listen. You know, as parents, we know what's best for our kids oftentimes. And so we ask them to obey us. Not to punish them, but because we want what is best for them. We have a plan for them. And, and it's a good plan because we love them. And the same is true with God for each one of us. And the same is true with God as he interacts here with Moses. The, the things that God asked Moses to do in the moment seemed pretty hard for him. In the moment, it seemed like, I just want to kind of run the other way. I just want to get away from you. And, and Moses even made some excuses to God. But in the end, Moses is a man of faith, and we remember him as a man of faith because in spite of his emotions, in spite of his circumstances, uh, Moses chose to obey God. And that's what real faith is about. And my encouragement and my hope for each one of us today is that we'll see this type of faith and we'll look at Moses not as just this far-off guy that we could never be like, but somebody just like you and me, somebody that obeyed God and God used in powerful ways. And I think God wants that for each one of us as well. So let's open up the Bible together and let's look at this passage of Scripture together. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. As we're making our way through, we're all the way down to verse 23 after nine different weeks uh, in this chapter. We're making progress. And so you can open up there, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. It says this. It says, By faith, Moses' parents, they hid him for three months after he was born. Because they saw that he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm going to stop right there. We're going to stop a couple of different times throughout this passage. And I want to look at our first point. Our first point is this. Our calling 
is rooted in our identity. Our calling is rooted in our identity. Until we really know who we are, our identity, we can't know what God is calling us to do. And so our identity, it is of first importance in our lives. See, here's the story of Moses, in case you're not super familiar with it or or don't remember all the different details. Moses was born in a time in Egypt when God's people, the Israelites, had continued to grow. They actually got brought there by Joseph, who we talked about last week. And so the Israelites were in Egypt, but the population was growing very rapidly. And so uh, the Pharaoh, uh, the king of, of Egypt, saw this happening. And they were enemies oftentimes, you know, the Egyptians and the Israelites. And so Pharaoh was not very excited about the population growth that was happening with the Israelites because if they have more people than the Egyptians, they might overthrow them. And so Pharaoh becomes very hard-hearted and does something extremely wicked. You know, and it's even hard for us to like wrap our minds around this type of, of wickedness in, in our world because it, it just seems like something like this would never happen in, you know, in America in the 21st century. But these types of things happen oftentimes, uh, especially in ancient history. And so Pharaoh says, I, I want to start weeding out some of these Israelites. And so every uh, baby boy that was born was commanded to be killed, to be thrown in the Nile River to control the population so that the the Israelites couldn't overthrow the Egyptians. Of course, this led to a lot of heartache. Of course, this led to terrible situations. And and so Moses' mother, you know, being like any good mother, and I'm sure many mothers tried to get around this this terrible edict that was put out by Pharaoh, but Moses' mother found a way around it. And she hid him for the first three months of his life. That had to be a hard task, you know, hiding an infant. And the Bible says when he got to three months old, she could no longer hide him. We can picture the scenario as he's starting to crawl. He's starting to make movements. He's starting to have opinions of his own. We know three-month-olds are like that, right? And so uh, she says she can no longer hide him. And so what she does in just a desperate effort to save this little baby is she puts him in this, this basket, you know, made of reeds, and she floats it down the Nile River because she knows that the palace is not too far from there, and she's just praying and hoping that Pharaoh's daughter will have mercy on this baby. Maybe if this baby's floating down the river, somehow, some way, she'll have mercy and compassion on him. And she knew that he was a special child and that God's sovereign hand was somehow surrounding him, and so that's what she does. And that's exactly what happens. Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. She picks him up and and she decides, I'm going to save this baby boy. So she gives him back to Moses' mother to nurse him and to care for him for the first, we don't know exactly how long, maybe a couple years, maybe even longer of his life. And then it says she brought him into the palace and adopted him as an Egyptian. And so time goes on and the story starts playing out. But there was something in Moses' heart and something in Moses' mind where he always knew who he was. Even in spite of being kind of grafted in and adopted into this royal family, Moses knew deep down that his identity wasn't as an Egyptian. His identity was as a child of God. His identity was as an Israelite. His identity was in God's people. And so the Bible says that as he grew up, he hit a certain point and he had to make a decision. Am I going to stay in the comforts of this palace, maybe even align to the throne of the king of Egypt? Or am I going to go and put myself in a position with the Israelites and be one of God's people. 
where am I going to do? He had all the, 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 the privilege, the prestige. We talk about privilege in our world today. Well, Moses had it all. He had all those things, but the only problem was he didn't have God. He didn't have a, a, an opportunity to worship the God that he knew created him and made him. And so the Bible says, when Moses had grown up, he refused to be known as Pharaoh's daughter. He walked away from it all because he knew who he was. That's a pretty powerful statement to make, isn't it? See, he did it because he knew his identity was rooted in Christ. And I wonder about all of us. You know, when we think about our lives, when we think about the decisions that we make, what drives the way that we live? What drives the things that we say? What drives the things that we do? What drives our calling? What drives who we are becoming? Is it just the, the way that our world has gone? Is it society? Is it culture? Is it convenience? Or is it the identity of knowing that we were made in the image of God, that we are deeply loved by the God of the universe, and that when we put our faith and trust in Christ, that we become his children? Because when we understand our identity, then the overflow of that teaches us how to live, how to act, and how to serve God. Our calling comes from knowing what our true identity is. When we know how to think about ourselves, when we know who God is, it changes the way that we act and that we live. And so if you're somebody here who is struggling to figure out where to go in life, if you're somebody here who's kind of struggling to figure out how do I actually follow God, go back to your identity. Go back to what the Bible says about who you are in Christ and allow that to inform the way that you live and the way that you act. That's what Moses did. And it was the foundation for the rest of his life that leads us to these amazing miracles that we're gonna see through what he does in his faith. Let's jump back in. Let's jump back in. In verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 11, it says this. It says, he, he chose to be mistreated. Okay, so not only did Moses leave the comforts of the palace, he was not coming back to a neutral situation. He was coming back to a people who were in slavery in Egypt. The Israelites were enslaved. And so God, uh, Moses leads, leaves Egypt and comes into a people who are mistreated along with God's people rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. What a line. He chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. What a powerful couple of verses in scripture. He chose to be mistreated rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And it leads us to our second point, it's this. Saying yes to God often requires us to say no to the world. Saying yes to God oftentimes requires us to say no to the world. See, there is such a thing as sin. There is such a thing as brokenness. And we live in a world that sometimes isn't too sure we want to name those things at times. Because maybe it makes us feel a certain way that we don't want to, to feel. But Moses' example of life shows us that, listen, when we say no to sin, it makes us alive in Christ. And yes, there may be temporary sacrifices. Let's be honest. Sin in the moment can feel like the right thing to do. It can feel like the exciting thing to do. 
Anybody here who's ever sinned, which is probably all of us, has experienced that situation, right? Sin is sin for a reason because in the moment, it can feel very exhilarating and exciting. But in the long run, it always leads to brokenness. I, I, I saw this quote. I thought it was really powerful. Sin oftentimes offers more pleasure in the short term, but it has no lasting satisfaction to give. Think about that in your own life. Think about the times when maybe you've fallen short or maybe you've been drawn to sin. And there are times where it has some momentary pleasure, but in the long run, it has no lasting satisfaction to give, does it? And most of us in here, if not all of us, can say, I'm an example of that. I've seen that play out in my life over and over again. So think about the reality uh, of each one of us and the decisions that we have to make. Think about the, the, the temptations that we may face in life. If you're a young person, you may find yourself in a situation where you're surrounded with people who are living for the world. And it's not that they're bad people. It's just that they're, they don't know what their identity is in those moments. And so maybe they're tempted to, to run to the party scene or maybe they're tempted to run to sexual immorality or whatever the case may be. And as you look at those situations, you think that looks kind of fun in the moment but long term it leads to hurt and pain and brokenness maybe you're somebody here who's married and there's somebody else that's caught your eye and the exhilaration of that in the short term you think this seems like it might solve some of the other problems that I'm having at home but we know that that there's no lasting satisfaction in a broken home and in a broken marriage see sin oftentimes seems appealing but as we turn our back on it, we get to experience real life. And let's watch what Moses did as he ran from that sin and found himself in a position where he started following God. In verse 27, the author of Hebrews says this, By faith he left Egypt. So Moses literally left the palace. He left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. The third thing is this, saying yes to God requires us to fight our fears. Saying yes to God often requires us to fight our fears. Now, the author of Hebrews, he didn't have time to give us the full story. You know, he's just summarizing in Hebrews chapter 11. But if you go back to Exodus and see Moses' full story, the author of Hebrews actually almost like, like overlooked a few little things. Because here it says that he had no fear of the king's anger. But when you go read the whole story, there was some fear, but the thing that made Moses unique is he didn't give in to that fear. And I think for every single one of us, think about that in this moment of your life. Fear is not the problem. It's giving in to fear that oftentimes keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. There's nothing wrong with having moments of fear, of doubt, of pain. The, the problem comes when we let those things rule our life rather than the faith that God wants us to have. You see, what happened was Moses left the palace. He was in exile. He was out in the fields tending his father's sheep and flock. And as he's out tending his father's sheep and flock, this is the famous part from the movie, maybe one of the th famous things you know about Moses. God appears to Moses. You know, he's, he's running from where he had been and he's out in this field by himself and God comes to Moses in the form of a burning bush. You've heard that before. And, and so as this bush is burning, it's not burning up, it's just on fire, but it's not like burning up anymore. And so it's this miraculous thing and God starts to speak to Moses in that moment. And God tells Moses, I want you 
and I'm choosing you to go back to Egypt and I want you to set my people free. Because remember, the, the Israelites were in prison and in slavery to the Egyptians during that time. And yet God had a promise for them that they would be their own people, that they would have their own land. And so Moses knew that promise was real. And he knew somehow God was going to deliver his people, but he for sure didn't think it was going to be through him. So he's out in this field just trying to get away from it all, and God shows up to him. Now, again, if you look at some of the characterizations of, of Moses that we made, you might think that right away he just said, yes, God, I'm your man. Let's go do this. No, Moses didn't at all, actually. Moses starts giving God excuses. First thing he says is, God, I don't think they're going to believe me. Like, you want me to come and talk for you? I don't think that we're going to believe. I don't even know, like, what should I even call you? And that's where God gets his name. I am Yahweh that we talked through uh, in the spring. God says, when they ask who I am, just say that I am. I am who I am. And so he says, I am Yahweh. I'm the great I am. And, and, and so God says to Moses, listen, they're going to believe you because I'm going to do miraculous things. It's not about you. And so Moses is like, okay. Well, then Moses comes up with a second excuse, and it's a pretty common excuse. Moses says, I can't really talk that well, God. <laughs> like, like, I'm not a good public speaker. Check this out. Uh, Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Maybe you've said a similar thing. Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant. Like, let me go. Pardon. Don't make me do it. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. I'm not like super smart. I don't know how to communicate that well. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. You have spoken to your servant, and I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what you need to say. Wow. God said, listen, it's not about you, Moses. I'm just using you. It doesn't matter whether you can speak great or not. You're, you're just a vessel that I'm using to set these people free. Moses' excuse, I can't speak well, is a really interesting one because, again, many of us have had that. I was actually doing some research, and maybe you've heard this before. I, I found out that the number one fear that Americans have is public speaking. Number one fear, like more than spiders or snakes or even death, is standing up on a stage and speaking. You know, they, people would rather be in the coffin than speaking at their own funeral, I guess, you know? And so uh, there is a, a, a commonality across human history that we can relate to, that, that, that it's scary to open our mouths in front of other people. And I think because many times we have insecurities or we're afraid that we won't look at, I know for me, this is something that, that I've wrestled with. Sometimes people go, oh, you know, you must have been somebody who talked in front of people all the time as a pastor. I remember being in college and being petrified to be in front of people. I remember the speech class that I took. It was terrible. I hated every moment of it. I remember the first time I ever spoke in front of people at H2O. We had like this open mic night thing on a Friday, and there was like just a handful of people, 30, 40 people in the room, and, and they had this open mic so anybody could come up and share. And I sensed that God was calling me to get up and share, but I had no clue what I was going to say, and so I just like, I obeyed. I walked up on stage, and I grabbed the microphone, and I just said, I'm, I'm, 
just really thankful. And I didn't look at anybody. I'm just so thankful for this church. And I was like, set it down and ran off stage, you know? And, and I remember going into ministry and thinking, God, I'll, I'll, I'll serve you. I want to serve you. I want to disciple people. I want to tell them about you. But just don't make me get up on stage and talk in front of people. And yet God had different plans. And through one tiny step of obedience, and tiny step of obedience, it happened more and more. And, and, and I can see how God can use that now in my life. Listen, it's not about speaking in front of people. That's not the point. The point is, we all have fears. We all have things that are holding us back from what God truly wants us to do. Maybe God's calling you to serve in a certain area. You just think, well, I, just, I don't know if I have the time. Maybe God's calling you to sacrifice and give more generously than you are right now. And you think, I just don't know if we could be comfortable and actually do that. Maybe God's calling you to actually speak, maybe it was public or not, to somebody about Christ, somebody that you work with, somebody in your family. And you just think, I just don't know if I know enough. I don't know if I'm eloquent enough or smart enough. And what if I mess it up, God? You know, what if that was their only chance to hear about you and, and I mess it up? Listen. Just like for Moses, it wasn't about him and how well he could speak for each and every one of us. It's not about us. It's not about how much money we have or how talented we are or how well we can speak. It's about God using us. And there have been so many times when, when I feel like I've totally dropped the ball, whether it's in an individual conversation or from stage, and yet God somehow uses it. Because when we take a step of faith for Christ, God finds a way to use that for his good and for his glory. And so listen, saying yes to God, it often requires us to fight our fears. But when we do, God shows up in amazing and powerful ways. And that's exactly what happens with Moses. He says yes to God, even after those excuses. He goes back to Egypt. And now you have to understand that the Pharaoh, the king, probably had to be pretty upset. Here was a kid that he had welcomed into his palace who had turned his back on him and left. So the very sight of Moses had to incite some type of anger and emotion. And he shows up to, to Pharaoh, really his stepdad in many different ways. And, and he says, God, Yahweh, the great I am, says, let my people go. And, and you just have to imagine the tension in that moment. Pharaoh, you know, like people don't talk to him. They especially don't say something he doesn't like to hear. And, and the absurdity of Moses doing that it, it can't be overstated. And so, of course, Pharaoh says, no, you know, he laughs at Moses. You're crazy. And then God starts to work and starts to do some miracles. And that's where these 10 plagues come in. And so each time Pharaoh says no, God sends a different plague to the people of Egypt to show that God's serious about freeing his people. God's serious about keeping his promises. And it starts with blood in the rivers and then it goes to frogs and, and then it goes to gnats and flies and there's all these different plagues. And then by the end, Pharaoh's starting to maybe soften his heart a little bit because he's starting to realize this God is serious about this, but he, he keeps recanting. And finally, on the 10th plague, God says, listen, if you don't let my people go, I'm going to do something to really get your attention. And it's the plague of the firstborn. And God says to all the Israelites, you can put some blood of a lamb on your doorpost. And if you put blood of the lamb on your doorpost, it will be this symbol 
that, that you're my people will be the symbol of something greater to come, a blood that will be shed for every person who puts their faith and trust in Christ. So the Israelites put blood of lamb on the doorposts as it is talked about here, and the Egyptians don't, and this angel of death comes through, and the firstborn of every household that isn't protected by the blood of the lamb is killed. And finally, Pharaoh, he, he says, leave, get out of here. Moses takes his people and they start to leave and Pharaoh changes his mind and begins to chase them. Back into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28. says, by faith he kept the Passover. That's what we're talking about. The, the Passover is the blood of the lamb on the doorpost where the angel of death passes over those doors to preserve the life of those baby boys. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Moses leads his people to the Red Sea. It looks like they're stuck. The armies of Egypt are, are, are bearing down on them, and God parts the Red Sea, another famous moment that we talk about in this story. And the, the people of Israel go through and as the last person comes through, the, the sea crashes down and the Egyptian army is defeated. Fourth and finally, it's this. Saying no to the world leads to life for us. Saying no to the world leads to life. Both life here on this earth, abundant life, and eternal life. And as you look at Moses saying yes to God, as they walk through the Red Sea and they enter into the promised land, it's like this life. First of all, they're physically alive as the Egyptian armies have died. But they're also spiritually alive. And they're basking in the goodness and the glory of God. Even though they've been in slavery for years, now they're set free. And they get to experience the promised land. See, just like the story that I started with, with my son, where I just wanted what's best for him. When God asks us to obey, it always leads to what's best for us. And sometimes in our finite minds, it's hard to see in the moment how that can be true. But when God asks us to forego something or give something up or take an uncomfortable step of faith, it is because he loves us and he cares for us and he has a plan for our life. God had a plan for Moses. God had a plan for the Israelites and God enacted that plan and it led to abundant life. And God has a plan for each one of us. God has a powerful, loving, good plan. When we say yes in faith, that's when we get to experience a joy and abundant life that Christ had for us. You see, every single portion of scripture points us back to Jesus. And, and as I think about this passage, uh, I go back to, to looking at verse 26 in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, he regarded dis disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt. See, this was thousands of years before Jesus had even come. But what the author of Hebrews is telling us is that even Moses knew that God had a plan that someday he would send a savior and a Messiah. And just like that, that Passover, just like that blood on the doorpost protected each and every infant, the blood of Christ protects and saves each and every one of us. That's what real life is, when we put our faith and trust in him. And so as we think about that reality, it leads us to just worship and honor Jesus. 
for the fact that he makes a way out for us. Just as God made a way out for the Israelites, Jesus makes a way out for us from our sin and from our brokenness, from the times where we've been tempted to fall into that fleeting moment of pleasure and turn our backs on God. Jesus says, I forgive you. I love you. I want to extend my grace to you. And when we put our faith and trust in him, we get to walk in that freedom that he has for us. So let's celebrate that and let's worship as we spend some time singing together right now. Let's pray.